0: Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Nick and Bush coming at you with another Black Monday episode. Today we're starting a new series. It's going to be probably a three, maybe four-part series depending if we want to combine quarterbacks and tight ends. We're going to be going through the easiest and hardest opening schedules uh, by position or slash position group depending on if we don't know if the starter is, uh, who the starter is or whatever on each team. So we are we got the top five easiest and top five hardest opening schedules. So this is like I mean, we primarily tried to focus on like the first like five, six weeks of the season. But depending on the schedule, I, I you'll see on the screen prompts some of them I just showed more because the schedule was just super good for so long or whatever. So, uh, Nick, how you doing today?
1: Yeah, doing good, man. Always uh, excited to talk some football. It was uh, kind of a long week in general, and it's just kind of a weird world right now. So it's good to just kind of zone out and talk about football and talk about things that we love.
0: For sure. So we're going to hit the intro, and then we'll see you guys on the other side. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. All right. So Leonard Fournette is the first guy that we're going to talk about here. And he, I basically, I, I kind of like, I don't want to say like judgment called these, but like depending on uh, sharp football stats is the website I used for, uh, for all these schedules. And basically the way they rank schedules um, is the whole season. Right. So, but we're only interested in the opening schedules. Cause we, we've said this many times before, don't plan like into your championship week because a, you got to get to the championship to be in the championship and b Early season games are very, very important, especially when you're talking about drafts, because you're gonna, your team's gonna change, you're gonna make trades, players are gonna bust, you're gonna pick up waiver wire guys. So you primarily, when you're looking at strength of schedule for any position, really, especially for quarterbacks uh, and like defenses and tight ends and shit too, uh, you primarily want to look at the beginning of the season. So um, I'll put this up on the screen right now. Leonard Fournette's opening schedule, as you can see, for the first like 12 weeks of the season, he only has like <clears throat> two bad matchups. So. I mean, this, this was interesting for me on Fournette because uh, he's kind of been a guy I've been actively avoiding. Uh, me and Danny uh, and other guys have talked about how we expect a volume decrease due to his inefficiencies as a receiver and the addition of Chris Thompson and all that. But um, an easy schedule, an easy rushing schedule might mean more efficiency for him on the ground. So uh, what are your thoughts on Fournette this year? I know you're a bit higher on him than I am.
1: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I've kind of just been continuously getting higher and higher on Fournette as the summer goes along. Like I'm getting really excited just in general, like where he's drafted in redraft and dynasty and all of it. Uh, I was kind of looking over just some of the yeah, sharp statistics in and last year they had a 36 percent success rate on first down which is literally 11% less than league average. So, league average is 47% success rate. They had a 36% success rate. Leonard Fournette had a 25% success rate. So, that was a lot of numbers, but that is terrible. Like, that's literally basically half. That's my issue with Fournette is that he's not it's, good. It's, it is so bad. But when I say all of that, like, there has to be some kind of, like, regression to the mean positive regression at some point it has to get better like if you just kind of look at their numbers and his overall volume like just the fact the sheer number of times he was stuffed on the goal line last year that alone has to regress to the mean like it can't it 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 can't happen again so between volume like Chris Thompson's dust I know that he had a big year in Washington like three or four years ago He, he had like eight games where he went on a tear but I think he's dust I don't even think Fournette's very good, but like it's the last year of his contract and they have no reason to not literally hand him the ball a million times.
0: Yeah, 300 carries is definitely in the cards for him. He, he, he worries me from the injury perspective too because, he, I mean, the first two years in his, in his career um, in the league, he wasn't very durable. I know he stayed healthy last year, but it is still a concern for Fournette in my opinion. Um, one thing I noticed, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and give like a nugget that I also found on this site, uh, on this site for each guy, um, from uh, from Rotoviz as well is that uh, Fournette received actually more targets in games against difficult rush defenses, which caused him to actually be better in PPR in bad matchups. And I mean, I, I mentioned it with Chris Thompson already. Whether it's Chris Thompson or not, I think they could add another guy. If if Chris Thompson's like hurt or whatever, I, I don't think they want to give him uh, like passing work personally. I I just think Jay Gruden has always been uh, a guy that's had a third down back, and I think they're gonna do whatever they can not to have Fournette be that guy. So, I mean. Whatever you take, whatever you take away from it, either way, I think Fournette is is it's definitely interesting for him, especially from my perspective, because he was a guy I was kind of just all the way out on. Uh, The next guy we're going to talk about, and I tweeted this out a couple uh, a couple days ago actually, is that uh, Mark Ingram's opening schedule, like his first five weeks, is ridiculous. Like it's actually so good, it's probably the best five week stretch in the entire NFL. Uh, And I I basically said he's a prime candidate to be a top five running back to start the season. And if you play in a league um like anything like the the one I play in some of the players in my league are not the brightest fantasy players in the world and they'll look at oh like Mark Ingram's a top five running back and he wants to trade him they're not going to look ahead to the schedule they're not going to look ahead to um J.K. Dobbins potentially taking over the backfield you could flip him for someone like Clyde Edwards-Solaire JT fucking DeAndre Swift even struggling vets spoiler alert like Aaron Jones for example and um his schedule just makes him a complete target of mine in the early fifth roundish. If, if, I mean, like, I, like I said, in my main league, if some, if he overperforms what I expect him to do, which I mean, I expect him to be really good at the start of the season. You're going to be able to flip him. Like you're, you're going to be able to get a lot for him and you might be able to get someone better than you expected.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Ravens, in general, I'm I'm all in on this team. They're favored in Vegas literally every game this year. Which for the running game, like, yes, it's probably not going to happen. If they win every game, but for the running game, that's a positive. Last year, I think they had four, success-
0: like twelve wins.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. <laughs> and even with Lamar Jackson kind of re- regressing, they're going to pass more. So even if his efficiency goes down, his volume is going to go so up. Good. Uh, yes every every first second and third down their success rate was way above league average even though they ran way more than league average like dude this team is uh so good and they only got better they had a Calais Campbell their draft was sick uh Mark Ingram I mean I know we're talking I'm talking about the Ravens a lot but just Mark Ingram I think that's literally the perfect strategy if you can find a way to I mean if you have J.K. Dobbins I love J.K. Dobbins too but that first
0: five-week stretch, like Mark Ingram could be He's already one. He's going to eat. And yes. you can hold yeah. on to Mark Ingram the whole year. I just think oh, yeah. eventually oh, yeah, totally. J.K. Dobbins is going to eat into his workload. And if you can have that happen in those bad matchups, like when that starts happening, if it's in those bad matchups, you could have flipped him for like a super, super valuable asset. Oh, yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, I, uh, I, I love having just pieces of this Ravens team because I think they're so explosive. Like another thing I didn't mention, they have the easiest schedule in the entire league against explosive run defenses. So basically the defensive schedule projected they're going to face, they allow millions of explosive plays. And like, what do the Ravens do? They explode. They have huge rushing offense. Like this is, it's so crazy. I think it's going to be the craziest year. I'm so looking forward to the Ravens.
0: For sure. So do you have anything else on Ingram or should we get into the next guy? No.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah i good. Before,
0: actually, before I forget, uh, Ingram, it, it really actually wasn't that big of a difference between him against good run defenses and against bad run defenses, probably because the offense is just so good. So uh, the next guy we're going to talk about here is Austin Eckler. And I mean, his first three weeks, I'll put it on the screen right now, are might be the three worst run defenses in the entire league. The Bengals, the Chiefs, and the and the Panthers, like, holy crap. And then six of his first nine games, he's got like bottom six run defenses. And uh, the Jets and Saints, I know the uh, the it's in red because they're, they're good run defenses, but they haven't been great against explosive runs, nor were they good against RBs in the passing game, which is where Austin Eckler is going to make uh, most of his money. Tampa Bay go Bucks is like basically the best run defense in the league. And you don't want anything to do with them from a running back perspective. So that game might be a little tough on Eckler, but as I mentioned, uh, the tough defenses also in this, um, in this uh, stretch, these guys blitz a lot, the bucks, the jets and, uh, and the saints all blitz a lot. And I mean, that could lend uh to uh, Eckler getting a lot of quick just check downs or uh, work out of the slot from Tyrod or uh, Herbert or whoever the quarterback is. So, I mean, I've, I've talked about Eckler from numerous angles of fantasy before, about his rushing increases with Melvin Gordon gone, potential goal line work increases, the fact that he played most of his, or like 35% of his snaps of the slot. So like, he's going to be a superstar this year. Literally, if, if I get him in the second round, I will literally draft him in every single league.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about that pretty early on in the offseason, that we love Eckler, and I'm, I'm still all in on him. I like the early schedule. Something that I did see that you could say is a slight red flag, last year they had the third easiest schedule versus defenses defending the running back. Luckily, I think Eckler, you know, goes out of the slot enough that I'm not that worried about, you know, teams being better against the pass, but it's just something, I guess, to say. But either way, like, their run defense's schedule is easier this year, at least in projection. And uh, I think with Tyrod, he opens up the field, you know, as long as he and, – and Herbert's super athletic too. So even if Herbert plays, like, having a running quarterback, just like Lamar, like we were just talking about, it opens up the field so much that uh, I love Austin Eckler this year.
0: Yep, for sure. On to the uh, next guy here. we got Joe Mixon. So his uh, first – got his first seven weeks on the schedule here. Cause he like, those are his good matchups. He's really only got one bad matchup the first seven weeks of the season. And it's the Eagles and they have been uh, actually bad against explosive runs. So not like an impossible matchup by any perspective, but uh, Mixon has historically been a lot better from a scoring perspective. So like touchdowns and whatnot versus weaker rush defenses from a volume perspective and targets and all that stuff. He's pretty much been the same, but uh, goal line work or whatever you want to call it is definitely the big, big difference for him against uh, good run or against a, uh, good matchups against the run. So uh, yeah, Mix Mixon's a stud. I don't think anyone's really concerned about him, but uh, it is definitely encouraging to see him be able to potentially get off to a good start. Yeah,
1: I like the easy schedule. Obviously, I love Joe Burrow coming in. I uh, was looking at how easy their passing defenses that they're going to face this year. So I mean, if they can move the ball with Joe Burrow through the air and hope my hope of you know, the projection that Mixon actually gets some receiving work this year. If they can do that with the easier schedule, I think Mixon's a slam dunk. I mean, a lot of Mixon is a projection. We're going on talent. We're going on the potential volume. And we're looking at the Bengals as a whole, hopefully improving. Uh, but looking at the schedule, I mean, he's got every opportunity to be as good as we want him to be.
0: For sure. And to the next guy, we got Kenyon Drake. I'll put his up on the board. I get the first 11 weeks for him. Um, as you notice, like the Cowboys, Niners, and Jets, uh, they're all like um, good run defenses, basically on paper, based uh, in the in the red. But they've been ranked very poorly at pass catching, running backs, and explosive runs, which both of which Kenyon Drake has shown the propensity to to do, especially against the Niners that one game that he had. So um, Drake averaged nearly twenty PPR points per game against bottom half run defenses versus ten points per game against top half run defenses. So this, this schedule might actually be very significant for Kenyon Drake because that was the biggest discrepancy of all these five guys that we're talking about in, in the good uh, category. So Drake having great run defense matchups makes me a little ne- less nervous for him because he has been a guy that I'm just like, like I, I don't know if I can get on board. Like I love the situation. I love everything about it. But just there's something about the player that like, turns me off a little bit just because he's never done it before. But I mean, again, another encouraging sign for Kenyon Drake.
1: Yeah, something that kind of blew my mind, I was comparing Kenyon Drake and David Johnson just in their overall success last year. And uh, in 12 personnel, so in packages basically with two tight ends, Kenyon Drake had a 6.2 yard per carry and a 55% success rate, which was like way above league average as far as rushing goes. But then his receiving success rate was below league average. I thought that was kind of like when I think of Kenyon Drake, I think of him as like catching the ball, maybe because I just, you know, go back to like when he was with the Dolphins or whatever. But, yeah, last year he was not very good as a receiver. David Johnson actually was much better as a receiver. And uh, Drake, it was basically all on his rushing. So, it kind of concerns me a little bit because I actually – I love I love Kenny Drake this year. But that was a little bit concerning. I was like, man, I, if it's only going to be rushing, there was kind of an outlier-ish finish to the season with, like, all of his long runs, explosive yeah. plays – so luckily with this easier schedule I do like it and so we can kind of see early on I mean the, the Niners could be tough but after that I mean the Panthers game like in week four that Arizona Cardinals Panthers game we're going to be stacking up in DFS I can't oh yeah do that.
0: for yeah, sure it's and be, uh, uh,
1: it's going to be a lot of fun
0: yeah a couple honorable mentions here uh so Derek Henry and James Conner have um very good matchups towards the end of the year so they have good schedules in general, but it, a lot of it comes towards the end of the year. So those guys might be kind of trade candidates for you. If, I mean, James Carter, who knows if he can stay healthy, but Derrick Henry, especially, like you might be able to get him for cheaper than you normally would be able to. And then Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, they were kind of just good schedules across the board. There was like kind of boomer bust, like bad matchup, good, 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 bad, good, bad. Like it was just kind of, there was no real consistency in what area you wanted to attack. So, but it's worth noting, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson do have pretty good rushing schedules as well. So let's get into the hard schedules. And this is the one that scares the fucking shit out of me. And it's Saquon Barkley. And I mean, just look at those first five weeks. Like that is just awful. This, this one is scary as fuck. He scored, and it matters for Saquon too. I looked it up. He scored seven, he, in his career, he scored seven more points against bottom half rush defenses despite nearly identical volume in those games. So, I mean, it matters for Saquon. And I took it from his career too. So 2018 and 2019. In good matchups, Saquon is a smash play. He was scoring 25 points a game compared to, like, 17, which is still good, but it, it's, it could be a bit concerning, the schedule for for the entire Giants offense in general, to be honest.
1: Oh, yeah, they don't have the bye till week 11, and before the bye, their only two decent matchups is versus the Redskins, who they play twice. So those yeah. could be, like, pretty good matchups, but outside of that, it's going to be rough. The Cowboys, I do see, like, week five – that's kind of a toss-up. Like, yes, yeah. they're decent against the run, but also that could be a really high-scoring game. So mm-hmm. I like Saquon in that position. I can see him kind of trying to show out in Dallas, but I'm uh, I'm scared, and it's it's not going to push me off of Saquon at 102. I I I love Saquon. He's so yeah. talented, and uh you know, at the end of the day, a lot of this is projection. But it can't it 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 if it didn't make it me nervous, I wouldn't be doing this right.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, he's still the 102 in my opinion. I don't think there's. I mean, maybe, maybe in full PPR, you could potentially consider someone like Alvin Kamara ahead of him, But I, I think you're just getting too cute at that point. Like Saquon's yeah. just so good and the, the volume is just so good that it's just hard to pass on him. It's just unfortunate that he's not going to have a great start to the season, in my opinion. So uh, we will move on to the next one. And this one is enough to just completely take me out of this backfield. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. uh, Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, whoever the starter is for the Seahawks, they have the worst run defense uh, efficiency schedule in the league. And it's not even really that close, to be honest. It's like a pretty big drop-off on the graph. And um, if you look at the the full – I got the full 17 weeks up here. They literally have three green matchups, meaning that three of these are favorable uh, run defenses to attack and rush defense efficiency. And when you factor – it's not quite as bad when you factor in explosive run defense um, and uh, defense – uh, against pass catching running backs but neither of th- these guys are really conducive to either of those things Carson and Carlos Sainz so I mean Carson similar to to Leonard Fournette as I mentioned performed actually better in PPR because he got more targets against top run defenses but he had twice the number of touchdowns in good matchups so uh, and that's over the last two years not just last year so Chris Carson I mean he's so far down in my rankings like I'm not touching him with a 10 foot pole he's going way too high for my liking so if you take anything away from this video, I would, I would just avoid Chris Carson this year.
1: Only thing I'm hearing is that this is hopefully going to unlock Russ the god, you know, to <laughs> just be able to come in and work his magic because the Seahawks, for some reason, they want to just keep running the ball, even though Chris Carson, all he does is fumble, even though Rashad Penny, all he does is, you know, turn into dust. Yeah, you know, it's like, dude, Russ is probably behind Mahomes, potentially the most talented thrower of the football in the league. Yep. And uh, they just need to unlock him. You know, we need MVP Russ. We need Super Bowl Russ. And that's, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, as far as the running back goes, I, I don't care about them. I will not draft Chris Carson. Rashad Penny might be back at the end of the year. That just makes it more cloudy. Carlos Hyde against these rush defenses, like, no way. you know, no, it's, not a chance. It's Russell Wilson or bust, and hopefully it's a lot of Russell Wilson.
0: Hopefully it's a lot of DK Metcalf, too, because I really love that DK. That, too.
1: So. Yeah, love DK.
0: Yeah. So the next backfield, maybe Antonio Brown. Yeah, maybe Antonio Brown. Yeah. Um, The next backfield we're gonna get into that much like the Seahawks, I don't really know who the starter is, uh, and that would be the Niners backfield. And I mean their first four weeks are just just awful, and like their first like seven weeks are really bad too. So Um, this more conducive to cat uh, pass catching backs uh, basically in the in the strength of schedule that they have. But um, newsflash, Raheem Mostert's not the pass pass catching back on this team. It's probably both both the guys behind him are probably going to catch more passes than him, meaning Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon. So um I, I've I've been on record saying I'm not in on Raheem Mostert at his current price. He is going way too high for my liking. Maybe his price is gonna fall now that he's requesting a trade and whatnot, but he actually did perform uh, pretty significantly higher in uh, against easy run defenses, 13 PPR points to nine PPR points last year. So it does matter to him. I, I just think this this backfield is. I'll, I'll take whoever's cheapest. I'm I'm not really in uh in the market of investing in Kyle Shanahan running backs because I I think he's just basically likes to fuck with everyone and, and ruin our lives.
1: Yeah, I'm willing to throw a late dart potentially at like a Jarek McKinnon. I know that's uh you know Coleman's been the back, guy, been but but yeah, I mean Coleman and Jarek McKinnon is basically free. So I, that's usually who I go with at the 49ers. I just take the cheapest guy. Uh, But in general, I mean, I'm kind of just out on this whole team. Like, I like Kittle, but they're just – they're so messy in general. Like, last year they also had, you know, one of the easier rushing schedules, like, defense-wise. This year it's one of the hardest, you know. So, I I mean, between that and just the overall, like, with Debo out, like, who are they going to throw to? It's like, Ayuk's a rookie. I I think the whole team's just kind of messy. And also, you know, the Super Bowl uh, hangover is real. You know, and uh, so I, I, don't know, and I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that good. So
0: I think, I don't know. I think this team could fall off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. and it is worth noting that this team ran the ball. The uh, when you subtract Lamar Jackson's carries from the Ravens, this team ran the ball the most in the entire league last year. So basically, to count on the volume that they had last year, you would have to expect their defense to be one as dominant as it was last year, and their rushing attack to be as efficient as it was last year, and. I mean, it's the NFL. Like shit changes year to year. Yeah. Like you said, Super Bowl hangover. something maybe they just they get in a, a rut next year. Their division got better. Like the Seahawks got uh, got kind of better, I guess. The Rams are still a good team, in my opinion. The Cardinals got better. So, I mean, the the Niners in general, I, I'm on board. I'm not really I'm not really on board with them unless Debo falls long enough because he's because of the injury. But like that's that's about it. Uh, and Kittle obviously is a stud, but the rest of them, yeah. Uh, the next team uh, the next guy we're going to get into is Aaron Jones. As I mentioned before, he doesn't have a great running def- run defense schedule and they have an early buy as well. So I mean, he's got like one, maybe two favorable matchups in his first couple weeks. I'll have it on the screen right now. It is worth noting though, that the, uh, the first couple teams, they weren't very effective at, at defending pass catching running backs, which hopefully is where Aaron Jones is going to make his money this year. I think if Aaron Jones is as good or just good for fantasy like a top 12 running back it's going to be on the back of being a receiving back because that's what he did really well last year and um I don't know if anyone if anyone has looked into it the concern the concern for me with his pass catching work is how much work he got when Devontae Adams was out of the lineup so he scared me in general but he performed 12 points better 12 versus bottom half run defenses I know that was kind of aided by the fact that he just torched the Cowboys and fucking I can't remember what other game he had where he had like a shit ton of touchdowns or whatever but he had seven targets against the bottom half-run defenses versus two targets uh, against top-half-run defenses. So he his volume from a receiving standpoint, for whatever reason, was just really good in those games. So Aaron Jones, I mean, he's kind of just been a guy, like, I'm not really targeting him, I'm not really avoiding him, but he, he does scare me quite a bit.
1: The thing that sucks about Aaron Jones is he's been so efficient and such a good football player, like, since yeah. he was a rookie – and for some reason they always like push him out more than he should. Like last year he blew up and then they draft AJ Dillon this year. Yeah. It's so weird to me. Cause he literally, he's been so efficient. He's been so good. He's on a fifth round rookie contract. Like, I mean, everything about him run said, the wheels off the kid. Yeah. dude, And nothing, it, none of it makes sense. Uh, you know, it does concern me. He has been so efficient, and a lot of his plays, like his big run plays are explosive plays, and they have the hardest you know schedule versus explosive run defense this year. Uh, also, like his best formation, as far as uh, you know his success rate goes, is in three wide receiver sets. The Packers barely have three wide receivers. It's like, dude, what? Like, how? Talk about not knowing your own team. You draft AJ Dillon. You don't have like a three wide receiver set when that's like what your you know, your best running back runs out of everything about them just says kind of stay away to me. And they were the worst team to ever make the NFC championship. It's not gonna happen again. They're garbage.
0: Yeah, Adams is really the only guy on this team that I'm actually interested in. Yeah. So Yeah, Devontae is great, but the rest they're garbage. Yeah. Darius Geis is the next guy we're gonna get into. And this guy cannot be more out on this player. So um this this even confirms even more things for me so Darius Geis is top on uh, nine weeks on the schedule here he's got two favorable run defenses and one of them says the Ravens and they added to a Campbell so I don't, I'm not really sure how favorable of a run defense they're going to be and uh the explosive run rate for these defense is better but to me explosiveness is my concern with guys. he hasn't been able to stay on the field and when he's been on the field he's kind of looked a bit sluggish So he's only played in five Hmm. career games. I was looking back at his splits. I'm like, is that true? He's only played in five games. Yeah. So against bottom half run defenses, uh, he saw 13 opportunities per game as opposed to seven. So that might be something, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just all the way out on Darius, guys. I wouldn't draft him with a 10 football.
1: Yeah. See, I have like a totally opposite take than you on guys. I love guys. He, on his last 12 carries last year, he put together 171 yards so, like, explosion was what he was doing. So, yes, they have a really tough run defense, but explosiveness is, like, yes, you say you're worried, about, but that's that's what he's shown he can do. Yes, in a very small sample size, but he has 6.6 yards per touch so so far in those five games. So, like, he's put numbers up, even though it's been barely anything. I mean, his rookie year, torn ACL, it's to a wash. Last year, it's a bummer. Like, it's a concern if he gets injured again this year. But where he's at, like – I just I love Darius Guy. So I've loved him since he was in LSU and the explosion says that I think yeah it's worth the upside to me. That's where I stand on. Yeah,
0: I, I totally disagree. I just I think he's going high enough to the point where I'm like give me like the receivers in his range, give me some of the other running backs cuz I like what's his upside realistically is cuz the offense isn't going to be good. So I mean, yeah, might he might be a top I don't know. 15 running back. At, at his total upside but to me that's like a very very slim chance of happening because I got to see him put together more than 13 opportunities a game and not get hurt every time he steps on the field so um he that's gonna do in college. Us. yeah well no he did he was great in college and I loved him coming out of yeah college. that that injury like just derailed his career so far hopefully he can frank gore it and get take his uh, take care of his body better or something or whatever but yeah anyway So that's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, Make sure you guys uh, like the video, comment, subscribe. Uh, Tune in next week. We'll probably be digging into receivers. We'll get into some cornerback matchups that we're going to expect to see early in the season, uh, past defenses in general. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. And uh, as of today, the draft guide will be live. So make sure you guys check out in the description. There'll be an order form there for you. And you'll be able to get access to uh, all of our packages, whatever one you decide to to go with. Um, Really appreciate all the support that you guys have shown us the past couple months. So uh, without further ado, guys, take care and enjoy your Monday.